Coming up today, it's time for our opponent preview. Chris Perfett of the Pride of Detroit podcast will be joining me to break down this young Lions roster and give us an idea of just what kind of buzz saw the Seahawks are going to be walking into this Sunday at Ford Field. Seahawks Lions preview coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. Thanks for joining me once again. If you like what I do, hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel as we get close to 3,000 subs. You can buy me a beer at the Buy Me a Coffee link in the description. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. All of that good stuff helps support the show and get this out to more viewers. Before we get to Chris, a little bit of news to report today. From the Seahawks, they have signed Raekwon O'Neal, rookie offensive tackle off the Tampa Bay practice squad. That means he has to go onto the 53-man roster. The Seahawks had an open spot there. A little bit about O'Neal. He impressed in training camp with the Buccaneers, played well, um, started 13 games at left tackle at UCLA last year for Chip Kelly, blocking for Zach Charbonnet. Uh, Bruins averaged over 20, 200 yards a game rushing last year. Um Before that, he was at Rutgers. He was a Rutgers transfer and started 21 games at left tackle um, at Rutgers. Has played a little bit all over the line, but certainly with the injuries to Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, Seahawks looking at him as a tackle. And then, of course, Jason Peters brought in yesterday. We talked about that. And if you watch the live stream on the PSF app today uh, with Dana and I, you know, whether, whether Peters is ready to start or not Sunday, he's he might have to be active. Um, Certainly one of the reasons they brought in O'Neal and put him on the 53-man roster. Are they going to be comfortable with O'Neal his first week in the system to be the only backup tackle? Uh, Could Anthony Bradford play in a pinch? We're going to get some clarity today. Today could be a big day at the VMAC for a couple of reasons. One is all eyes are going to be in those tackles. Charles Cross and that toe injury. Turf toe can be a problem, especially for a bigger dude. Um, Seaside Joe, friend of the show, uh, pointed out, unfortunately, uh, if you remember Russell Kung had turf toe one year, I think it was 2014, missed eight games. Um, Cross may be a bigger concern than Lucas. No structural damage to that knee may just be a pain tolerance thing. If both tackles are out, um, are they going to be comfortable with O'Neal being the primary backup? Uh, And then also we're going to be we're going to be looking at that secondary today. Pete Carroll had indicated we might see Devin Witherspoon practice full speed today for the second week in a row. And we also may see Jamal Adams join the fray in practice today. So that Seahawks practice report, that injury report today could be key. And stick around to the end of the show. I got a viewer voicemail today asking a question about that secondary. But first, let's get to know this week's opponent, the Detroit Lions with Chris Perfett. Joining me now, as promised, from the Pride of Detroit podcast, Chris Perfett. It's been a while since you and I have gotten an opportunity to talk, but what better opportunity than Seahawks-Lions this Sunday, Lions home opener. Chris, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on again, Dan. So you guys have had a chance to chew on this. You know, you play in the Thursday opener, you go to Kansas City, you play the defending Super Bowl champions, you pull off the stunning win. A week into it now, things have settled down a little bit. You got to sit back and watch the rest of the league play on Sunday. Take us back to that first game as from the Lions standpoint now. How are you feeling about that performance and about this team? 
Well, what I say, how I feel about that uh, after we've got about, I would say, what, a week now, uh, half a week under our belts. So after that Sunday, okay, so putting it into perspective in that regard, I still feel the same way I felt on that night. I don't think really much has changed. Uh, I, I don't think I am dissuaded by people who want to say, oh, yeah, the Chiefs, they didn't have Kelsey. They didn't have Chris Jones. Yeah. So what? Every team, this is the NFL. Like, you don't get style points. There's no AP pull at the end of the day. I'm not saying that to be mean to these people who want to say that. I understand what they're doing. I think it's reductivist, though. Every team deals with injuries throughout. Like, nobody, did anyone say the Lions were had a disservice because they don't have Jamison Williams out there? No. Yeah. No, and I understand the, the, the power someone like Kelsey brings to it. I understand Kadarius Toney had, had hands of, of stone <laughs> going out there. But yeah. I don't think that changes anything about how that game would have gone. I mean, maybe, uh, okay, let me try that again. It would have changed how the game went, but the game was played. We don't deal in alternate universes here in the NFL. We deal with what happens on the field today. In this localized universe, we're not out here doing fantasy effing science fiction here. We're do we're dealing with relative with with the real universe. We are dealing with real things that actually happen. And the lions were able to, regardless of that, to impose some of their will in defense and on the run game on Kansas City. I think that counts for a lot. And given that week one is sloppy for a lot of teams. There's at least some some things that we can grow on here for the know. Lions game. Yeah. <laughs> we know. So now now, you know, Detroit's on fire. And you got your home opener coming up this week. They've sold out every home game this year for the first time I think I saw in 41 years, correct me if I'm wrong, and just every they couldn't be more jacked up. And you got a head coach who jacked up should be tattooed on his forehead. It's are you and then you see we're going to talk about some specifics and some players and get the Seahawks fans to know this depth chart a little bit uh, for Sunday. And then you see well, the Seahawks' me... performance on Sunday and how they fall flat in the second half against the Rams. Is anyone scared that this could be a trap, or or now are you just thinking 2-0 and and here we go? I don't think there's a lot of Lions fans who think it's as a, as a trap because here's why. Like I'm not going to discount a, a loss at all because it's the NFL. Anything can happen on a given Sunday. But I will say that nobody is going should have that worry in their mind, at least in Detroit, because if it's at least one thing you can count on in Dan Campbell, we talk about him as a very big motivational coach sometimes, and I don't think people understand what actually makes him an incredibly good coach in this league. Uh, he's very daring on fourth downs. Uh, the weird punt inside their own 40, uh, notwithstanding, that happened, I think gets more conservative as a, as a game goes on. But he's also very good at making at getting a very uh, consistent, getting very consistent performances out of his team week to week. Uh, it, it is a it is a squad that once it hit its stride last year, kept going and doing the same things that it was great at every game. There wasn't really a, a turn away from their methodology. Yeah. There's no, like, he's adaptable to the league, but not to the point that it's going to endanger or stagnate in, in a given week. He's a very good coach, and I think people still just see the Dan Campbell, who is the one talking about kneecaps or wearing the racing helmet. They don't see that this man is actually a very good game day coach yeah. and very good at getting his team together for a day. And to talk about Ford Field for a second, that place... 
I know Lumens Field has a very good reputation for being the loudest place in the NFL. Not anymore, Ford my Fe- friend. Not Ford anymore. Field, well, I, let me just say this. Ford Field is a closed dome. Mm-hmm. The energy this year, we've mentioned this multiple times on Pride of Detroit POD cast, feels incredibly different from years past, even in years where the Lions have had good teams. And as we've talked about, that that place is sold out. People are buying blue ski masks, apparently, to uh, to emulate one of the players from from last Thursday who was wearing a ski mask after that. I <laughs> His name is escaping me, and I really should okay. have that... Uh, uh, right on the top of my head here. It was C.J. Gardner-Johnson hmm. who was wearing a ski mask after beating the uh, the Chiefs. People are very fired up. I've seen that place get loud in another opener before. This is going to be incredibly, incredibly loud. So the shoe's going to be on the other foot for the yeah. Seahawks who also have to travel east. Um yeah, and that's honestly that's something the Seahawks have done well in the last four or five years in that 10 a.m. time zone. Their record's uh, pretty darn good. But but it, I'll tell you this: it's I envy where you guys are at because there is nothing like the energy you feel in a, in a stadium crowd when a team is on the come and cresting. In 2005, we saw it here, and then in 2013, when you 2012, when you when you sense something special is happening, things are turning around. This is different. That's when uh, it just energizes people, and you can it's palpable. You can feel it. I wanted to ask you, you touched on this, because I had planned to ask you this. You talked about the biting kneecaps thing with Dan Campbell. When That was his opening press conference you were referencing there, when he was just hired, right? Yeah. What was your reaction to that? As a, as a Lions fan, were you like, oh, man, because I thought it was cringy, and I thought – I thought this guy was an act. He certainly is not, and I'm, I'm a huge Dan Campbell fan now. But what were your thoughts watching that very first press conference? That press conference was meant for fans. They knew that fans were tuning into the press conference. and I You didn't think, think it was Dan contrived? Cam- I believe, no, I don't think it's contrived. I think that as someone who used to watch pro wrestling as a kid, he was cutting a promo. Mm. And that was completely okay. fine to cut a promo. I think there's this idea that somehow... There's there's different coaching styles for everyone in the NFL, sure. but just like I think that not everyone wants a tyrant, like someone like Bill Belichick. Not everyone wants a rah rah guy sometimes, but I think people we, more resonate we know. to that. <laughs> I think more people resonate to the rah rah, and I think there's yeah. this understanding in NFL uh, fans that somehow that your coach has to be. Uh, August. He has to be like a CEO. He has to be like this, this general on the battlefield and maintain order when no, no, that's not what football is. It's a game of ball. It's supposed to be there to have fun. And these guys are there to make money playing a game of football, but motivation does go a long way. A attitude goes a long way. And what Dan Campbell has been able to sell starting with that press conference up to today is a single unified vision. Yeah. It might have sounded cringy at first, but I can tell you most Lions fans want to run through a brick wall for the guy. But, you know, the bigger question is, does that go to the players? I don't know, but a lot of a lot of players have seemed to have bought into this place. I remember way back talking to a, fo- a player who used to play for the Detroit Lions uh, back at the on the Fox Sports rate on the Fox Sports lot, and he would tell me that uh, you know back from let's say the Jim Caldwell era, that's not a place guys wanted to go. That's not a place people wanted to play for. It was depressing. Everyone was looking for a way out. Dan Campbell came in and said, "We're going to change all of that." 
we can talk all we want about culture in the NFL and we can roll our eyes and say culture just means winning. But if you make a place that is, appe- that is appealing to you economically to go and is a fun place to work, like think about it in our own lives. You know, it, it, it's great if we get paid really well, but what's the next best thing? You don't want to hate your job. Right. And that's, that's what Dan Campbell's brought there while still having very, a very good offensive uh, vision around him. Yeah. It's kind of come together with, with Ben Johnson as his offensive coordinator. Certainly. And he's finally got the pieces, I think, on the defense to start to evince his vision of a defense as well. When the Seahawks Alliance met last year, it was a shootout. The Seahawks came away with the win, but that de- it was early in the season. That defense was coming together, uh, especially on the back end. There were some real struggles there, and then you could see well, it get better. This off season, especially this offseason, too, they really they had nothing in that backfield. Yeah. This this offseason, they invested C.J. Gardner, Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, who's still not playing yet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this roster, uh, and let's start on defense. They get the Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, last year in the draft has been everything as advertised and more uh, week one against the Chiefs, seven quarterback pressures. Um, all those guys up front, James Houston in limited snaps uh, last year really made an impact. And one of my favorite draft crushes the year he came out, uh, who the, the Lions signed as a free agent last year, kind of under the radar. I wanted the Seahawks to sign him so bad. John Kaminsky, um, another one of my draft crushes, John, Jack Campbell, the rookie out of Iowa, playing middle linebacker for you and contributing in week one. Um, Brian Branch out of Alabama, guy that was mock drafted to the Seahawks a thousand million times last year, uh, making his impact with a pick six in week one. Talk about this defense and how far it's come. It's come a long way. Now, granted, it is still, I think, when you look at it and how many points they were able to hold the Chiefs to, you know, they give up, they gave up what, 20 points on defense, but still, that's. It's against Patrick Mahomes. I don't care how many uh, how many weapons he doesn't have, and they right. generate about six points for you as well with the pick six. I think what I saw out there was a team that is still trying to feel itself on defense. Uh, there's some questions still up the middle when it comes to defensive tackles. I know that uh, Isaiah Bugs, who played well, I thought in the past he's been inactive while they try out new defensive tackles up the middle like uh, um, uh, Benito Jones really outplayed him in camp. But you talk about on that line, it is the edges. And they've got a lot of good edge edge rushers there that they can go to. Aiden Hutchinson is the one who highlights it. And to be honest, like I think Lions fans still don't appreciate Aiden Hutchinson enough right now on what he can do, how disruptive he can be. He's going to need to get some sacks if we're going to talk about him. Plays every down, pro, darn you. Every, every down. Yeah. Like, I... I I, I predicted that he'd be all pro this year. I don't think you'll get that without some sacks, but man, the numbers should show you for the snaps he plays, the pressures he creates, how he gets into the backfield and disrupts. He, he's not going to have to chase around Patrick Mahomes every game, so he'll he'll start to generate some numbers, but it's not just him, right? You're talking about pa- Josh Pascal, who got who blew up that, uh, that end-around play that they really wanted to. I think it was a fourth and short, if I am not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um and they've also got uh, 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 John Kaminsky, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, and Romeo Quara, and a few other pieces. Like they, and you know, last year James Houston uh, as a linebacker, but also as an edge, usually would line up as an edge rusher. Okora didn't uh, even play week one, did he? Excuse me. O- Okora didn't even play week one. Did I do he? not believe he did. He was inactive. He, but he, 
he is inactive, but no. Houston, I know last year is kind they of They gotta be licking their chops right now. They with Charles Either Cross way, and Abe Lucas maybe being out this week. Jason Peters maybe playing. They, Aiden that Hutchinson line has, has to be so salivating. many different pieces that they can move in and do different things with on the pass yeah. rush. And that's what makes it very electric. And now you add someone like Jack Campbell learning under Alex Anzalone, who is uh, already, I was not expecting Jack Campbell to play as much as he did in that game, hmm. but he did. And I'm not going to pull up the PFF linebacker scores because whoever's grading linebackers over at Pro Football Focus is an idiot. Um, I mean that with all love, but also like <laughs> I really want to see your methodology because I don't yeah. agree with it at all. Either way, Jack Campbell, they expect him to wear the green dot. They expect him to be a captain on the defense, and he sure looked the part as a rookie in his first NFL action. Yeah. And then, then we get finally to that backfield where I don't know I've been able to say enough about Brian Branch. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson obviously was a big acquisition from Philadelphia, and he also played like it too. But this was a backfield last year that gave up the most points uh, to uh, to opposing teams. Like they, they went from having almost no one to relying on uh, Tracy Walker, who I think was hurt for half the year as well, hmm. and someone like Jerry Jacobs and uh, Will Harris to, hey, now we have Cameron Sutton. Now we have C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Now we have Kerry Joseph and Brian Branch, and we don't need to line up. We can line up in different ways. We can go slot corner. We can do a one-safety look. Like they, they have so many. The entire Lions defense is flexible, and that's what makes it very interesting to watch. And then on offense, you you named him Ben Johnson, one of the up and coming hot coordinators. Had some head coaching interviews last year. Decided to stay put. Probably we'll see him get one of those jobs this offseason if things continue the way they are. Uh, let's start at the quarterback position because when that trade was made, the the general consensus was uh, made sense for the Rams. But what the hell are the Lions doing? Why would they give that give up that much and think that they can actually get something out of Goff? And, and we've seen him take a step and, and really elevate himself. 359 attempts now without an interception, third longest streak in NFL history. Talk about his command of this offense. I think that Jared Goff has been put in a very comfortable position in Detroit in a way that they didn't really have in Los Angeles. Uh, whereas the Rams continue to lose pieces and evince a worse and worse offensive line and no complimentary run game. That's exactly what he was set up for by the end of by the end of year one in Detroit. They gave him better weapons last year, having the attack of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and even with Swift not doing well, still allowed him to you know better fare and things like play action, and uh, and he had just some phenomenal middle field weapons like the 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 emergence of Amon Ra St. Brown yeah. is probably one of the great things for him but he also has great chemistry with Josh Reynolds who uh um who's who's played with him in LA uh, yeah played with him in Los Angeles and Khalif Raymond who's been an absolute surprise for this team and now they've, you know, they changed up the tight ends after they got rid of TJ Hawkinson. They drafted Sam Laporta. Brock Wright's come on for them as another tight end. And best of all, he plays behind this offensive line yeah. that includes Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, and, and last but not least, Panay Sewell. Like they, they've been able to put everything, make him comfy, feed him breakfast in bed. And it lets him 
command well enough. Now, there's still shortcomings to Jared Goff, and I don't think that the passing game really had a fantastic game here against the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought this was a lot more on the ground. Uh, I don't think a lot of those marks were about Jared Goff, other than a, uh, I know Benjamin Solak had the post where he was pointing out that he did miss, uh, I believe it was St. Brown downfield when he hit Josh Reynolds. Hmm. Um, but I would say in that regard, I don't think he had the time to really make that read down there. And sometimes it happens. Guys misreads all the time for players like that. But I, my point is that they didn't really need him to win this. And that's, fine i think that's the way that they they would rather not have to rely on jared goff to win them a game he's been able to win them games before but i don't think that that's not what they want they want a full total package to this offense and that's exactly what i think jared goff wants too to stay strong in all of this you don't want to put a game on jared goff's back it's not something he's not the kind of quarterback where he's really comfortable for that he doesn't have the arm for that he doesn't have uh, you know, he, he can't be, he, he, he's gotten better about stepping up in the pocket under pressure. And he's only done that awful spin move once last game hmm. where he thinks he's getting away, where he thinks he's playing Madden and getting away from a rushing defender. Yeah. But otherwise than that, as long as he's comfortable, he's able to run this offense. You talked about that offensive line and, and so good that Panay Sewell, who, who when he came out of Oregon, was considered one of the best left tackle prospects in years is playing right tackle. Uh, you mentioned Taylor Decker left the locker room in a walking boot after that game Sunday or Thursday, even though he played every snap, if I'm not mistaken. Any concerns about his ability to play Sunday? I think there is some concern a little bit, but from what I understand, it just seems it seems to be a minor injury. Um I know they have multiple options on the table to to replace Taylor Decker. If does, they Sewell, need to. does Sewell move They'll, over to the left side? He could move over to the left side. I know they'll also have Matt Nelson to play as well, and they can kick guard Halapuli Vadi Vaitai out, outside as well. I think a lot of it would rely on Sewell moving to the left tackle, but I think that him and Frank Ragnar are both kind of slated to play uh, again for, for them here against mm. the Seahawks. We still have plenty of days to go that could change they could change yeah. quickly. And then so much focus is going to be on that running game. Uh, the Lions, you know, clean house on that running back room. You mentioned it last year was Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. This year they they signed David Montgomery from the Bears, a guy that I've really liked coming out of Iowa State, played with Brock Purdy there. I think a lot of people miss that. And then you draft Jameer Gibbs with the 12th pick. There were some fans, especially fantasy football fans, not happy with 19 snaps, nine touches. But on those touches, averaging over six and a half Per touch, I think he forced something like seven missed tackles on his nine touches, um, showed the dynamic talent that he is. But David Montgomery was the bell cow week one. Were they just easing Gibbs in there? Could we see more of him on Sunday? I think this is what they want to do. They, they, it's a timeshare at that backfield. It's, uh, I hate to tell fantasy fans, and it's why I think I stayed <laughs> away from Gibbs and, and Montgomery in my leagues, although I think Gibbs has value as a PPR option. Um, I, but I think both played phenomenally well. It's kind of a, I'm not going to call it quite the hammer and anvil situation that they had last year, mostly because DeAndre Swift fared poorly in that role. And also at the same time, Jamal Williams, I don't think we're ever going to get to see a performance like that again in Detroit, where he just soaks up an insane number of touchdowns, usually in short yardage situations. Right. I think when Montgomery came in, they were expecting the same kind of thing out of him, which 
is unfair to both players. Jamal Williams is, is a fantastic battering ram, but he just sees the middle, whereas Montgomery sees a little bit more of the field. That said, Montgomery, still with his offensive line, was running people over, and he was very difficult to take down. Whereas Jameer Gibbs, I've never seen a man accelerate that fast in my life on how where where he went to hit the hole. But he's not a purely run-to-the-outside guy like like DeAndre Swift was either. Yeah. So these are two guys who complement each other a little bit better, but I like they're going to keep mixing them up. I don't think either one of these is just a third down back or a specialty back. Jameer Gibbs certainly isn't just a pass catching back, even though that's kind of his specialty in a lot of ways. They have much like the defense, the line, the word is flexibility for the run game. Is this team an, an NFC title contender? I don't know about the NFC title itself right now. Um, I really will not speak on the National Football Conference until we see a few more weeks, because if I was going to pick anyone right now, it's hard for me not to uh, see what the Dallas Cowboys just did mm-hmm. and panic and freak out. But I would also say the Dallas Cowboys don't get to, get to play the New York Giants and Daniel Daniel Pennies every week either. So things will change. I do think that the Lions came into this year not just expecting to win that Kansas City Chiefs game, like Dan Campbell said in his press conference afterwards, but they have come into the season expecting to win the NFC North, their division. And I think that's the one thing they control right now. And look, like I saw, I've seen pictures. I've seen people who are thinking the Minnesota Vikings were going to be able to continue this this fugazi magic trick they did last year where they went into the playoffs with a 12 win record but a minus a negative point differential i see people who thought the chicago bears even though all they did was add a rookie uh, a rookie tackle to either side of their team plus plus uh dj moore was suddenly going to turn things on they're the most delusional our, our bears people um and we'll see what happens with the with the green bay packers i'm not fully sold on jordan love yet i'm gonna have to mark them an incomplete grade because again they won't get to play the bears every week but i also understand too jordan love you want to say he looked bad in that game i think him not having christian watson who he, he was comfortable as a safety blanket through all of preseason that absolutely hindered him so I, I am grading the, the, and a lot of their offense in that game was through busted coverages too. I'm not sure what the Packers are yet, but I yeah. do know that they, they and the lions are probably going to be contending early in the season for a lead point in the NFC North, but the lions enter this year fully expecting to win this division, a division they've never won because the last time they won a division title, it was the NFC central. Well, those are the Detroit Lions that we're going to see on Sunday at 10 o'clock Pacific time. That is Chris Perfett. He's involved with the Pride of Detroit uh, podcast, if you want to listen to that. And uh, say hello to Lions fans. Got a lot of Rams fans on my preview show last week, so we'll probably have some of them tuning in. Uh, let people know where you, where where they can find you. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now. Uh, it's, Twitter. it's Twitter. It's Twitter. It's Twitter. I'm going to call it Twitter. His mom call him, his mama called him Twitter. I'm going to call him Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Thank you, Dan, for having me on, even though it's early here and I'm fairly janky in my spe- speak. Uh, I run the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We go live after every Lions game on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. And we also have the podcast out there, which has, uh, what a year. I cannot thank Lions fans enough for this offseason we've had and coming into this year incredibly strong. 
Um, I also work for Fox Sports Radio. I am one of their technical producers, and I will actually be on the air live during your NFL slate if you listen to any Fox Sports Radio affiliate or on the iHeart app or on Sirius Channel 83, I want to say. Uh let me make sure I get that right just real quick. Yes, 83. Uh, I, I'm in the mornings, and you can hear me with uh, Steve Hartman and former Chargers offensive man Rich Orenberger. Uh, myself and our producer and the two of them were all part of what is called Red Zone Radio, where we will be bringing you every touchdown from the NFL slate. Awesome. And I'm also part of several other other shows for pregame and a lot of things behind the scenes out there busy also, man I do a so- also i do a soccer report in the uh in in the, in the wee hours <laughs> of the night with my guy bernie frotto what else can we squeeze in there for you i don't know yet i i don't know maybe i can reduce those titles at some point <laughs> well i appreciate you taking time out of all that to join us on the show here and uh we'll talk again i'm sure thanks dan all right thanks chris oh just in time before the before a siren comes by I'm I'm actually I, I moving. That was some of my best work there. So oh no, you were great. Love the energy. Um, we I I'm moving in a couple of uh, weeks. It's only three blocks away, but it's going to mm-hmm. be. I'm surrounded by uh, hospitals. So there's four on this hill, uh, but I happen to overlook the main drag where they all get up to speed now. And so the sirens, people comment in all the time. They're like, "You're moving. We're going to miss the sirens." But I'll be a little more protected. <laughs> be a little more protected from the sound at my new place. So. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I have a similar problem, but it's usually with that I am close to the parking lot mm. um, for my complex, and every now and then the uh, they keep the dumpsters out there. So every now and then, the, oh yeah, the trash the trash trucks come by the back alley. I'll get so, um, the leaf blowers too. Every once I get a those while. a lot too. Yes, actually, leaf blowers. I yeah. I think this microphone and a lot of my noise canceling. Is powerful enough? People oh yeah, say you've got a sure. It. I've got a I've got an SM seven B too. It's pretty yeah, it's, directional. It's actually it's one of the lower end sures. This is like this isn't the SM seven. It's the uh, that's what I got. I've tried a million microphones and tried to save money on it, and it's yeah. Yeah, this was like some lower model, the XB or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it X XV seven or? It's a solid mic, though. MV MV seven, yes, yeah. So it's it's like a lower end model they came out with for podcasters because I didn't have SM seven B money at the time. Oh, I didn't either. I did so. payments. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I, I put should, it. I put it on a credit card. <laughs> I should have probably done that. And if I do that at some point, then I will like. I have some other friends who I'm like who have got in. It's like you want a microphone? Yeah. I'll give it to you. I need right. to like offload my old M audio at some voice. We we have we usually have SM sevens or. Uh, electro voices at work and right. I keep wanting to steal one of the electro voices. I, uh, I, I got this in part because I used to do some, some voiceover stuff too and, and some audio books right. and things. And it was so good for that. And then it dawned on me about two months ago. I was like, you know, I don't need, I could get almost what I paid for this thing, sell it, make 300 bucks or whatever and go with a road podcaster or whatever. And it's like, I have other mics and I tried them out and immediately realized, no, nah, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep this one. Like it yeah, just, I, I those remember, other mics picked up everything. Like the, it picked up. I remember up. looking around on the audio engineering subreddit at one point and people were like, Oh, this sub jacks off to the SM sevens too much. They're just, they're fine, but they're not the greatest. And I'm like, shut up. It's all personal preference. I tried shut every up. during COVID when I was really getting the, the VO thing going, I bought and returned, I think every 
you know, I even had a Neumann for a while and I, I, I had the RE20. Like I tried all the big, and it's just personal preference. You know, some people. Yeah, I just, I like, I like the volume on it. And I've done, mm. I have a Focusrite Scarlet and I've done a couple things over here too. Um, I think I use their legacy, their legacy uh, compressor on it. Mm. So it kind of gives a much better sound, I yeah. think. Indeed. Well, thanks, man. I will, uh, yeah. the audio version will be up almost right away and I'll tag you on that. And then of course, when I get the sure. YouTube version up, I'll tag you on that too. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Yep. Take care, man. See you, man. As promised, I got a voicemail question from a viewer today. You can do this by going to Seahawks-forever.com and you click on the microphone icon. This question from Shane today. Hey, Dan. Shane from Australia here. Um, unfortunately, not the result we wanted to start the season off on the weekend. Very frustrating. Um, but on that, I wanted to ask about the defensive backs and the amount of yards we gave up in passing. Uh, how much of that can we pin on the defensive line and the lack of pressure put on Matthew Stafford? Or is it more to do with the personnel underperforming at defensive back? Or is it more of a scheme that didn't quite match up against the Rams? And how much of a difference could we expect in the amount of yards we give up in passing if Devin Witherspoon suits up against the Lions? Oh, a lot to tackle there, right? Pete Carroll would tell you that the the back end and the front end have to mesh together, right? That it's the pass rush and the coverage and how it fits. He likes to talk about that. Um, hard to tell. You know, I watch the All-22 and I've seen some other guys breaking some stuff down and analyzing some of the X's and O's and there were some coverage issues. This wasn't just Matt Stafford throwing darts, elite throws into coverage. Some of it was that, but we had guys running into each other. Um we saw, I think, the lack of continuity of these guys playing together through preseason. Uh, Kobe Bryant seemed to struggle at times and get picked on. Julian Love seemed to be out of position. There was one play in particular, a big completion from Stafford, where Love and Bryant went to the same spot. Um, we saw the other, the big play that I highlighted lighted on the Pivot Point episode yesterday. Uh, check that out where I break down a couple of plays in all 22. I'll put that link in the description as well, where uh, Love and Trey Brown run into each other on a crossing route out of that trips formation led to a big 41 yard third and eight conversion on that first touchdown drive of the second half that was crucial. Uh, those things need to be cleaned up and they need to be cleaned up in a hurry. Uh, the excuses of short preseason, um, not enough, you know, real live snaps with those guys playing together only last for so long. And we saw it around the league, right? Seahawks weren't the only team with high expectations that struggled. Can personnel make a difference? Absolutely. And I thought that that one of the things missing in that defense yesterday was in or Sunday was energy, especially late in the game where you just saw the looks on their faces on the sideline. Those guys were downtrodden. They were stunned. And Corbin Smith came on the show early in training camp, talked about his impressions of the first couple of weeks. He talked about the energy and how physical of a training camp it was. The most physical training camp he'd ever covered. He gave Jaron Reed credit for that, and he gave Devin Witherspoon credit for that. He is going to make a difference with his energy, but also just, sure, there's going to be a learning curve. He's going to be out of position sometimes. He's going to see things he hasn't seen before. But his short area quickness, his burst, his ability to read and diagnose plays and make breaks on the ball is uh, far superior to what we see from Kobe Bryant. And I think his energy, the way he comes up and plays a run as well, uh, can only help. So um, I think it's a big storyline this week. 
It's a big storyline. And as formidable as the Lions seem, and I'm not in the business of predictions. Sometimes I make them if I really have a strong gut feeling. I don't know what to expect Sunday. I really don't. We've seen Pete Carroll rally teams before coming off a bad loss. We've seen him turn things around. He, he may operate better when the team is counted out than when they're a front runner. And I don't think he had this team emotionally prepared to play on Sunday. He had them feeling too good about themselves too soon. Now it's time to get, get some stuff done. What do I want to see Sunday? I just want to see a competitive game. I want to see this team come back, fix some of the issues, and compete against one of the best teams, presumably, in the NFC. Um, Injuries will play a big part in that, and we will get some clarity on that today. Thanks again for watching at Seahawks Forever on Twitter. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Buy me a coffee if you really like what I do. Um, Until next time. May not speak again until after the game when I do my reaction show on Sunday, unless some big news comes up. We may, um, I may hop on and react um, Friday or Saturday to some of the injury situations and what it looks like going into the game. Uh, We'll see. But you know how you know about that? Subscribe, and then you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for watching and viewing and listening and supporting the channel. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks.